630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Diamond Dave, you're right, baby. <laughs> That's a blast from the past. The mouth of the South, Jimmy Hart, contributing to my appearance this week on 630 Chad Inside Sports. Hey, it is Dave Campbell in for Reed Wilkins, who is... On the bye week, it's not just the hockey club that's on the bye week. In fact, there are several hockey clubs in the National Hockey League that are on the bye week. Pretty much the entire Pacific Division. I believe the Golden Knights play tomorrow. So uh, you have uh, some playoff implications this week. I know Winnipeg is going to play a game tomorrow and Wednesday before the All-Star break tonight. All you really got is the Minnesota Wild, and all they can do is really tighten things up in the West. Uh, I believe they're five, yeah, they're five points back of the Oilers with 52 points. So they, they got to climb over some teams. They're at home to the Florida Panthers, who are, uh, they've won four straight. They've climbed over the Leafs who uh, were in third in the Atlantic, actually one point second in the Atlantic for, uh, for a time, and now they've kind of fallen off. So it's not just the Pacific Division that's been crazy, but let's just face it. The Pacific Division is, is just nuts. It's just nuts. We'll talk about it this half hour. The text line is the same as the phone number, 780-496-0063. Oilers... They are 26-18-5 for 57 points. We'll talk more about it at the bottom of the hour with Bob Stauffer, the host of Oilers Now, analyst for the Oilers Radio Network. Oilers do not play until a week from Wednesday. That juicy rematch from, you know what, you know what we're talking about. Yeah. Zach Cassian, Matthew Kachuk, will anything happen? Well, what needs to happen is the Oilers are looking for a win that night. So uh, that's our next broadcast here on 630 Chad for the Oilers. 6 o'clock is the face-off show, an extended edition. 8 o'clock will be the drop of the puck. But that is nine days away. Nine days away. So as we leave things, or as we last left things, uh, as far as the Oilers, this is what you heard. Josh Archibald has a short-handed breakaway. Waits, shoots, and scores. Archibald with the deke, and he beats Auntie Ranta five-hole. And playing against his former club, he's given Edmonton a 1-0 lead. Jayant pulls his way toward the side of the net. Eludes Taylor all centered, and Gagne scored. Sam Gagne buries his second of the year, but it was the play by Shein that created the short side opportunity. Edmonton goes up 2-0, and Shein's got two assists tonight. Drysaddle trying to slam it home, and it's in! Eventually nudged across the line by Kyler Yamamoto after Drysaddle kept it alive with a couple of hard-fought whacks at it. Yamamoto Pushes it across the goal line. Nugent Hopkins to dry subtle. Swings it over to McDavid. Heading for the net. Short side score. One minute gone by in the second period. Slipped in front. Shot Nygaard. Score. 5-0. Well, he might be out now. Nygaard from above the hash marks beats. Tiranta glove side. Neal pancaking it ahead for Archibald. Centering pass tiptoe by McDavid. Three-way passing play. Neal to Archibald. McDavid with a finish. His second of the game. And it's 6-2. Edmonton. Center ice Archibald. Left wing. Wrist shot. Score. Riley Sheehan. Why not four? 
Allen, three assists. His first ever three-point game becomes a four-point game. And for Archibald, it's his second career three-point outing against his former club. 7-3, Edmonton over Arizona. The draw, drive, Capobianco, and a save at the horn by Mike Smith, and this one's history. Edmonton seven, Arizona three. Smith has won five in a row. The Oilers have won three straight at home and cruise into the break with a 26-18-5 record on the strength of a 6-1-1 run in its final eight before the break. So there you go. A 7-3 game against the Arizona Coyotes, a game where they were pretty much in control from start start to finish. They chased Antti Ranta finally. I don't know how many times Rick Talker looked behind the bench there over to the goaltender. See that, Kellen? He kept Kellen Kennedy on the other side of the glass. Hey, hey everybody. See Rick Talker doing the look. Do I, uh, do I get Ranta, the in? Ranta should have been pulled after the first period, in yeah, my opinion. I yeah. think so. I think so. That, that might have cost the Coyotes the game because mm-hmm. Ranta definitely wasn't feeling it. Oilers played really well, but they were getting no help from the goaltender as well. I don't want to pin it on all the, the goaltender. Because, no. But the Oilers, they pushed the pace. And how about the secondary scoring? Riley Shane, four-point night. Josh mm-hmm. Archibald, three-point night. Mm-hmm. Connor McDavid had a couple of goals. But we got to start with Shane. Wow, four points. It was a fun game, kind of one of those games where you're getting the bounces and the puck feels good on your stick. So uh, I thought we played a good game, and um, I thought our line did a good job playing in the O zone and creating some chances, and we were always around the net. So the Oilers, since that 5-1 just flop on December 27th out of the Christmas break, are 6-1-1. And, and secondary scoring has definitely been better. For this hockey club. Got mentioned Sam Gagne scored. Only his second goal of the season, but he chips in as well. Dave Tippett says you can't ignore the secondary scoring we're receiving now. Like I say, that's that's been a big help to our balance also. It's just not the we added a second line that we think it can chip in offensively because our bottom six has chipped in offensively too. So it's just a matter of them them getting more comfortable in their role and and uh, just a belief in our whole group of what we're trying to do. So uh, Sheehan's been good. Archie's been good. Nygaard's speed has been good for us. Um, you know, Chason's coming out of those bottom lines has given us uh, some good minutes and some good minutes on the power play also. So it's the forward part of it is, uh, you know, it's been a good stretch for us. And, and really, it's just about, according to Dave Tippett, just playing with confidence. Dave Tippett? Well, I always talk about confidence is earned, right? can't just say I'm competent or not competent you got to earn it and you earn it by putting the work in doing little things right and by winning that's how you get competent by winning but the competence is built through the process you go through to win and that's what our players are doing right now it's you know each individual they can feel good about what they're doing playing with the puck or they get some points or whatever but ultimately your team has a confidence when they win and if you play well enough to win and do little things right to win you earn that confidence. As I mentioned, you can text in. You can call in 780-496-0063. Unnamed texter says they won because they continue to score. Can't argue against that. Carlo Yamamoto scores again. Three goals, three assists, six points in his eight games. And all the talk about Leon Dreisaitl, he can only play with Connor McDavid. He's putting that to bed. And 
you could say, okay, Leon Drysaddle needs good players to play with. Well, doesn't anyone need good players to play with? You know, even Connor McDavid needs good players to play with as well. And all Kyler Yamamoto has done is brought a lot of balance to that top six. Ryan Nugent Hopkins has come to life. Leon Dreisaitl can definitely drive that line. Now you got your two best centers broken up. And if they can keep this going, wow. What if this team's able to recall Tyler Benson from the American Hockey League? Tempered expectations. But back to Dreisaitl, Yamamoto, and Nugent Hopkins. Dave Tippett says, can't ignore their impact. Well, it's just really balanced this out. You know, uh, Yamamoto's come up and he's a good player, makes plays. Leon likes playing with them. Uh, the switch from Nuge up there has given us, uh, you know, it's given us a, a harder look to match up against than just having Connor and Leon on the same line. Uh, both of those guys are driving lines. And then our bottom six has played well. Like Sheehan's line was a real good line for us tonight. So... It's just a, it's it's added a balance to our group that that we were looking looking for early in the year and we didn't have and n- now we seem to have found a, a pretty good mix there. So here are the Oilers at the break. Forty nine games played. They're twenty six eighteen and five. That's fifty seven points. That is tied for second in the Pacific Division, but they do get the spot because uh, second spot right now because they do have a game in hand on Calgary. Vancouver has 58 points, 27, 18, and 4. Then Vegas has the first wildcard spot at 57 points, 25, 19, and 7. Arizona, 57 points. And they technically have the final wildcard spot at 26, 20, and 5. Then you got the Winnipeg Jets, with 54 points. As I mentioned, they play twice before the uh, All-Star break commences on Thursday. Chicago also 54 points, so they're moving up. Chicago with a big win over the Winnipeg Jets last night. Nashville with 51. Minnesota, by the way, has 50, not not 52, and they're already down one nothing to the Florida Panthers at home. So the Oilers have put themselves in a pretty good position even though it is so, so tight in the, in the Pacific Division. What helps them is they do have some tiebreakers uh, in their favor. Vancouver and Edmonton have the most row number, so that's regulation and overtime wins with 24. Calgary has 21, then Vegas, Arizona, they have 19. So the Oilers, they're also bagging some tiebreakers. So... I go to this site once in a while. I really don't go to this site very often before this date, but it's Club Sports Stats. We've referenced it before on this show. Uh, a very good prediction site that runs, Kellen, you know this, they really run millions upon millions upon millions of simulations. Yeah, it's starting to get that time of year, isn't it? It is. It actually, the fellow who, who runs it didn't even start tracking the National Hockey League till a couple of weeks ago. Oh, cool. Okay. I'd like to go around... American Thanksgiving on December 1, because that's supposed to be a, a good early indicator. Yeah, exactly. And, of course, the Oilers were in the playoffs, in a playoff spot at that time. So, you know, it, it, it was a nice early omen. But a couple of weeks ago, uh, we started to see the, the, the site kick up again as far as uh, National Hockey League stuff. So the Oilers, according to Club Sports Stats, have an 81.3% chance of making the playoffs. Okay, so that's pretty good. You go back to a year ago, and 
Uh, it, they weren't even close to this number. And if you hover over their percentage, what comes up is this balloon, and you find the most common record of all the simulations that have been done. And like I said, millions of simulations are done. Mm -hmm. Okay, the most common record for the Oilers to make the playoffs today is 17-12-4. Do you remember last year, Kellen? The Oilers had to play to like a, at a 700 clip, a 680 clip. Yeah. To make the playoffs. Yeah. Well, this is 515 hockey, mm -hmm. according to this. This is maintenance hockey now at this, this point. Is, this is holding serve type hockey. Mm -hmm. Now, do the Oilers want to have a better record than this? Of course they do. Mm -hmm. Of course they do. Now, the schedule is going to get tougher. The schedule is going to get tougher after the break because they're going to be playing a lot of the opponents that are directly battling them. Right. You know, and they come back. They play Calgary twice in uh, in a span of four days. In the middle, they play the St. Louis Blues at home, and the Blues are way ahead. I mean, they're the best team in the West. They might mm -hmm. be the best team in the league. There, there's an argument for that. They play them at home, and then they go to uh, Calgary the next night. So, But, you know, this is only one medium to predict, but it's, you know, it's it's fairly accurate. And last year, I mean, we're tracking the Oilers when they were, you know, five points out of a playoff spot and four points out of a playoff spot and three points out of a playoff spot, and they had a 5% chance of making the playoffs. Well, you know, duh. I mean, a lot had to happen because they had to climb over teams mm -hmm. to make the playoffs. Now teams are chasing them, and they're starting to get some cushion. So that's good. So here we are five weeks out of the trade deadline. Uh Buyer, seller, you got to think they're going to be a buyer for sure. Um, they're putting themselves in a good position. Uh, Matt Benning could be back by the time the All-Star break uh, returns. And we got to check. Uh, Bakersfield's playing today, so I got to check if Matt Benning's in the lineup. Uh, they play four times this week. So you're getting a good horse back in your decor. That could help. But uh, so far, you know, and it's not comfortable. The Oilers do not play a brand of hockey sometimes that makes you feel comfortable. There are flaws in that roster. There's no question. But what they're doing is they're playing good support hockey. They're playing the system well enough. And you, you've heard the comments after that 5-1 game from select players saying, we sat down and said, this isn't good enough. So we got to start buying in. We got to start uh, playing a brand of hockey that suits us. And it's not run and gun. It is never run and gun with this team. Even when you have McDavid, Dreisaitl, and, and the players they have, and even a Yamamoto being brought up to balance the second line. They right. Quick update here, uh, yeah. just because I dialed it up on a computer on the Condor's website. Uh, it appears they got a game going on against Ontario right now. Yeah, Ontario. Uh, yeah. 12 minutes left, third period. Ontario up 2-0. Okay, and we'll see if uh, Matt Benning is in that is in the lineup. So, uh, conditioning stint. He's had a tough time with concussions. Uh, had, came back, didn't even survive his return. Again, game against the Vancouver Canucks. He was quickly out of the game, or about halfway through the game, I should say. So, Matt Benning could be making a return here very soon. So, there's another addition to the decor. That's that's going to be helpful. It's uh, 6:21. It's a quiet night in the National Hockey League. We'll recap uh, what's going on so far. It's Martin Luther King Day in the United States. So, there was an afternoon game today. The Raptors were in action as well. So. Uh, Happy to be here. Glad you're along for the ride here as Dave Campbell takes you through this week as Reed Wilkins is off for the bye week. Back with more in a moment.
Welcome back to the program. One afternoon game in the National Hockey League because it is Martin Luther King Day in the United States. Colorado Avalanche doubles up the uh, Detroit Red Wings 6-3. Nathan McKinnon, he scored his 30th goal of the season, and that gives him 30 goal seasons for four straight seasons. Tremendous hockey player. It's probably down to him and McDavid for uh, for the Hart Trophy, for sure. Maybe Pasternak out of Boston. He's trying to muscle his way in in that conversation, too. And as I mentioned, Florida with a one nothing lead over the Minnesota Wild. The Raptors were in action earlier today as well, and they win their fourth straight game as they down... Where is it? It's here somewhere. Oh, sure. Anyway, they beat the Atlanta Hawks. I'll try and find that score for you here soon. But uh, Norman Powell scores uh, 20 points, and he's on a crazy streak right now of... Uh, 20 straight points or uh, games where he uh, picks up 20 straight points. But the Raptors win by a score of 122-117. So they win their four straight game. Raptors getting healthier. Okay, so the Oilers are at the bye week. Dave Tippett on resting for the stretch drive. It just be uh, decided and, you know, you got Calgary twice, you got St. Louis and you got Arizona in there. It's not going to be decided in that week. It's going to go right through. Terry makes a good point. Maybe it would be nice to keep playing, but ultimately you're going to need the rest. Come a month from now, you're going to look back and say, we're glad we had that rest because every game is going to have a ton of meaning in it and they'll be competitive, and that's what's fun about it right now. It's fun as a player. You're in those and you're just geared up every game, and it's fun as a coach to get in those games and see where your team can get go get to. So the stretch run is uh, we put ourselves in position to be part of it. Now we have to jump in with both feet and, and see what we can do. So, good and bad. The team needs a rest. You wish you could keep playing, but you can't have your cake and eat it too, so you have to keep playing. Uh, Roderick texts in at 4960063. Glad the Oilers are doing well. However, I am not that comfortable with our goaltending. Tippett clearly favors Smith. Do you think Smith is capable of holding his own? Well, he's won five in a row. He's, uh, I tell you, he fights in battles, and that's what I love about Mike Smith. And... Miko Koskinen did nothing wrong. Just right now, Mike Smith has the hot hand, where in December, Miko Koskinen had the hot hand. It was fairly even in October and November. Both had great starts. But then there were games in December where if you saw Mike Smith start a game, you got worried. And I think there's still a little bit of apprehension with both goaltenders, but I think there's more with Mike Smith. But you know what? He's, he's, he's making a really tough case to Dave Tippett I should be out of the lineup. So we'll see what happens after the break because you got to factor in that uh, the schedule's going to get tougher again with 33 games left. Miko Costin's going to factor in. we got Bob Stoffer coming up, host of Oilers Now, analyst on the Oilers Radio Network. That's next on Inside Sports. Campbell in for Wilkins. Mentioned Mike Smith bringing us back on 6:30. Chad inside sports. It's Dave Campbell and for Reed Wilkins tonight. Reed taking the bye week off uh, minus six in Edmonton right now. I want to read this text from John. 
A big stick tap to the hardy prairie folk for coming out of the deep freeze unscathed. Seems we're the only region in Canada that doesn't have the military on speed dial to shovel our driveways. Well, it didn't fall as quickly as it did in Newfoundland either. Thankfully, that's the one nice thing about being here is it can get really cold, but we don't get the the snow like they do out in the Atlantic provinces. And that's just a tough situation for everyone over there. So hopefully uh, they get back to... uh, you know, a normal way of life there soon, and the snow stays away. Uh, talked about the Bakersfield Condors. Uh, they are playing the Ontario Rain. It's 2 nothing for the Rain. Matt Benning is in the game, and uh, don't know if he's got any stats right now. Um, obviously, no goals, no assists. Don't know if he has any pims, apparently, as this text comes in. Um, Benning steamrolled a guy tonight. And that's a... Uh, Good way to bring in Bob Stoffer, host of Oilers Now and analyst on the Oilers Radio Network. Bobby, uh, a healthy Matt Benning is going to help this hockey club. Well, it was uh, Jared Anderson Dolan day that he hit. Uh, Jared's the guy that was raised by two moms uh, as a member of the Spokane Chiefs. Interesting story there. And uh, he himself had just been uh, demoted from the Kings uh, at the NHL level and got caught crossing the blue line. And it was a hit right out of about... 19, I'd say about 1985, when Lee Fogelin used to uh, steer uh, the forward to cut across the blue line, and then Kevin Lowe would fill him in. Of course, Keegan Lowe plays on the team in uh, Bakersfield, so it was a big-time collision, and Matt Benning can do that to you. He caught uh, Nathan McKinnon in Colorado about three years ago in the 16-17 year. Uh, the Oilers, I think they've missed him. Uh, I do think that it's not a fait accompli that Benning uh, is going to play every night because Edmonton's now re-signed Caleb Jones, and he's got a two-year extension. So obviously they're they're thinking a bit of the future there. They got to get their third pairing price point down a little bit. Obviously Chris Russell makes four million a year, but definitely uh, some more depth with Benning back, and you might see some games where it, it theoretically could be. You know, uh, Jones and Benning, some games where it could be Russell and Benning, and some games it could be Russell and Jones, but uh, it's going to help Edmonton getting him back for sure. And it definitely creates, and we've heard this uh, phrase before this season, or this season, and uh, especially this season under Dave Tippett, is that internal competition, and now you kind of have it at the, you know, that, that, that five, six, seven spot. Yeah, this team is, uh, this team's got some, as you know, they got some depth coming on defense. I mean, uh, Bouchard's played very well of late here, according to everybody. Down in Bakersfield, uh, I don't there, like. There's no rush to bring him up. Um, I think that the, the Oilers aren't confident as an organization right now that at this stage, uh, if they want to make a playoff run and play in the playoffs, like they feel that they would have to. Uh, you know, they got to get Adam Larson up and running and playing at the level that he was at two or three years ago. Uh, I now all bets are off in the off season because I do think there's you know that. Evan Bouchard's going to have a great chance to transition in here. Uh, and then they've got Broberg and Sam Marukov. Um I'm going to have Scott Housen on tomorrow to talk a bit about Broberg. I don't know. I, I just thought it was automatic that he'd play in Sheleftia this year and the next season down on Bakersfield. That's probably still going to be the plan, but you don't 100% know. Uh, but that's an eighth overall pick. And, I mean, when you got an eighth overall pick in Broberg and a tenth overall pick in Bouchard, at some point, those guys, uh, Broberg's a lefty, Bouchard's a righty. They're probably going to be, you know, in the Edmonton Oilers' top four. And, of course, Edmonton's got to get Darnell Nurse extended here in the off season. So, and that is not going to be an easy one. Anton Thun's his agent. They're going to be looking for, I believe, north of the money that a guy like uh, Josh Morrissey gets. 
in Winnipeg, and I think that that's going to be a hard one for the Oilers as well because Morrissey's a very good defenseman, and some would say a better puck mover than Darnell Nurse, but Darnell's got different dimensions to his game. So the Oilers have some depth on defense with Benning returning. They will have internal competition. I think they could use a little bit more juice up front, and time will tell exactly what course of direction. Uh, that Oilers GM uh, Ken Holland will eventually go here with uh, Dave, and a lot of it's going to be based on team performance. They got 13 left games left until the deadline. You know, if they go eight and five, would they potentially move a second round pick and a prospect? I could see that happen. If they go four and nine, no chance that happens. So it's a results-driven business, and the results are going to drive the the, uh, the GM's moves. Bob Stoffer joining us uh, here on 6.30 Chet Inside Sports. Bob, the host of Oilers Now, analyst on the Oilers Radio Network. So a 6-1-1 run, run for the Oilers in their last eight games since that uh, not, uh, well, terrible performance against the Calgary Flames at home on December the 27th. In your view, is there is there one thing that has really changed the fortunes of this team around, or is it a, it's several different things? The goaltending, Kyler Yamamoto balancing out the top six. What is it? Uh, for me, it's it's Yamamoto coming up and the decision to play Leon Dreisaitl full-time at center uh, because Dreisaitl, uh, his game it was stagnating and he was struggling five-on-five. Five. Uh, you know, he, was, he went through a brutal stretch. At one point, he was plus 10. Next thing I know, you know, he's minus 20. Uh, but they've got Ryan Nugent Hopkins going and he's now performing like a, you know, six million dollar plus a year player. I mean, he's, he's got 13 points in the last eight games. Dreisaitl's got 14. They're big pluses. I think Nugent is plus nine during that stretch. And then Yamamoto's three, three and six. Uh, in the eight games, a plus six, and he doesn't get first unit power play time. The power play remains number one. You know, Dave, I'm, I, I know we talked about this. When Edmonton went into Detroit, they lost in Detroit th- that day, uh, 3-1. They gave up an empty netter. The only offense they had was McDavid and Drysaddle playing together. When teams did a good job, they could neutralize them. And I put a tweet out that day about Yamamoto, and Yamamoto to start the season had been Edmonton's by actually even when he would you know when he was recalled. I mean, basically the entire time that he was down in the minors, he was their best forward. And I was like, at some point they're going to have to if, if they can't get any production going here, they're going to have to bring this guy up. I know right. people want him to play his forty games, but if he's just simply better, Dave, than the other guys that are here. You got to go with them. So I guess if I pinpoint one thing, I pinpoint the decision to send uh, Brandon Manning on defense and Marcus Grant on forward down to the minors. Those guys are in one way deals. You know, it's an expensive hit for an organization. And to kind of just live uh, and take, the, you know, see, wh- see where we're at with Yamamoto and Jones. And uh, Yamamoto's, pl- I know they recalled Lagason, but they were really living with Jones at that stage uh, and not going to the default, which was going to be Manning. And I, I, I look at that, that I think woke some guys up in the organization. And then they deployed McDavid and Drysettle as 1-2 at center. And those guys are 1-2 in the NHL in scoring. And they're plus guys over this run here. And it's completely changed the complexion. I mean, Smith's played pretty good, but he hasn't been lights out. No. You know what I mean? Like, he's he's had good run support. Uh, you know, he's played better. He's won five straight starts now. That's great. But to me, it's, it's more emblematic. And they got a little bit of support scoring. But the biggest thing for me was putting together that second line and giving them a different dimension. And now, for me, Dave, the question is, what does Ken Holland do? To see, I mean, I think when they get Cassian back against Calgary, I think they, they, you know, they can play Neil with David and Cassian. 
because McDavid's that good. And then they can play dry cycle, obviously, with Nugent Hopkins and Yamamoto, because that line's really clicking. Yeah, and they've and yeah, and then they, and then they got you know, and then they've got uh, Archibald and, and Nygaard who look pretty good with Sheehan. So Dave, they got to find one more line. So how do they make that happen? And I think that's ultimately going to be over the next thirteen games. Maybe it's going to be Tyler Benson getting five or six games on left wing at some stage. I, if it were me, I would t- I would probably go down that path first. And then see how the team performs and see if they need to make a trade for another potentially a center or a winger. You know, like is Haas good enough? I think it's a reach to suggest. I think he certainly tailed off the final four or five games before we headed into the break. And uh, right now they got two extra right wings. I think maybe they could bring up a left wing and send out a right wing at some point. And the left wing I'd bring up obviously would be Benson. Let's talk about the goaltending because uh, you brought it up and Mike Smith has won five straight and he's been... He's been all right. I'd say he's been on the better better side of, of average. I would say he's been above average. But I think the story surrounding him, and I know the relationship with he and Dave Tippett is strong. Uh, they they go way back uh, to their days with the with the Coyotes in Arizona. Uh, it, it's just to me, it's it, it's a good story of a guy who looked like he was down and out. I mean, there are games in December where you're like, oh my goodness, Mike Smith's in that, that, that game in Minnesota is a, a perfect example where uh, you know, that was just kind of the microcosm of Mike Smith in December and Miko Koskinen played pretty well and to me, Bob, it, there's nothing that Koskinen did wrong. It's just Mike Smith just kind of muscled his way back into the cage. Well, I think Mike Smith has far wider ranges, Dave, in terms of what he gives the Oilers in goal. Like there's games where he's incredible, and then there's games where he's he's really struggled. I think Koskinen's been more consistent. I believe 100 percent that they're going to need both guys. Uh, you know, they got 33 games left. It wouldn't surprise me if you know Miko ended up actually starting 15 to 18 of the final games, maybe 17, 18, and Smith started 15 or 16. I could genuinely see that happen moving forward here. Uh, Koskinen's a, tr- or, you know, he's a big guy. He's improved his puck handling and back to internal competition. You got two guys pushing each other. That's a good thing. To me, Koskinen's more um, consistent and balanced on the ice. And Smith brings a little bit more fire and passion. I definitely start Smith against the Flames coming up uh, on uh, the game on the 29th. So we'll have some fun with it. It's uh, it's going to be intriguing to to kind of watch uh, how they handle things moving forward and whether or not you know does the trade find itself to Ken Holland before we get to that stage? You know before you know the NHL trade deadline. Time will tell. Uh, I don't think they'd move the first round pick to upgrade the team. They're not going to trade for a goaltender. That's a given. It's interesting because Tristan Jari was available in the offseason, and he's now become Pittsburgh's number one uh, uh, goaltender. Funny how that works out, right? It's 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 a crazy world out there, you know? One day you're uh, Hulk Hogan, the next day they're pushing on the ultimate warrior, you know what I'm saying? So, yeah, I'm, now, now I'm barking up your tree, aren't I? Uh, yes, you are, and I'm impressed that you that you're aware of those two. Um, you know, but hey, when it's Hulk Hogan and the Ultimate Warrior, at some point you have heard of you have heard of one or two of them. I've and heard of far like more. Who, who I've heard of far more than I am willing to admit. Uh, <laughs> I, I do recall an era uh, right around the days of. Uh, it's funny. I was. Uh, do you remember Sonny? Yes. Oh yeah. Uh, I believe her name is Tammy Lee Stitch, and she. Uh, I remember when in the in the mid nineteen. I'm, I'm going to guess it was probably around ninety six, ninety seven, ninety eight. I mean, 
because she was sort of the first glam girl on the whole WWF thing back in the day. And uh, it's just, it's, it's, you know, it was soap opera for guys. They used to have these conversations with John Short, Brian Hall over the years. And, you know, it's, uh, it's it's kind of funny. I mean, Jack Michaels occasionally makes references during games. I know. Now you still watch it today, right? I don't follow it as closely as I, I used to, but I mean, like it's it's WrestleMania season or the road to WrestleMania, so I'm more invested into it. But I don't watch it. Who's the big star now? The big star. Well, you see, they don't really have one. I mean, Brock Lesnar is still the big star, I guess, but they don't really have like a number one, you know, marketable guy. I would say they have a lot of good guys like Roman Reigns, uh, Seth Rollins, Daniel Bryan, Bray Wyatt. They don't really have that number one, like that just upper echelon guy that's above everybody else. It's kind of a weird time in WWE right now. Well, you know what? There's there's something to be said for star power. And you can extend that metaphor for what I got to watch on a nightly basis. Like. The Oilers have Connor McDavid, and I know the vote came out today from the Athletic, who's the best player in the world, and I believe he received around sixty percent of the first place votes yeah. uh, from the from his peers. It was about time, and uh, you know, and, and then there's Drysaddle. A lot of guys think that they put it this way: if Drysaddle continues to contribute offensively. Uh, he could finish that the, I, you know, I think he just played his 400th game and he's up to 387 points. And, you know, if he's north of a point per game by the end of the year, like again, they got 39 games left. Yeah. If Leon gets 52 more points, that's a lot of, uh, sorry, they got 33 games left. Uh, so if, if, if they got, you know, 33, uh, games left and he gets 48 points, he'll be north of a point per game, uh, in his career. And, and that would, you know, that would basically, uh, you know, 48 points and 75. He gets 123 points season, which would be remarkable. And McDavid likely to be ahead of that. So, you know, we're, we're lucky to watch those guys. And we got the all-star game coming up here. They got the, uh, the McDavid thing that's going to run the documentary that, uh, they, they very hush, hush quietly worked on right. with Wasserman or, which is, uh, McDavid's agency and Don Metz's group. And, uh, Metz is no longer directly affiliated, but still indirectly affiliated doing some work around the, uh, you know, around, uh, uh, television production side and uh, it's going to be it's an interesting story because i got to tell you in the off season dave i was concerned we weren't going to see that star and you're always you know that i thought you know how long is this going to take for connor to come back in and some people suggested to me it could be an eighth month injury and it's remarkable that he came back and he went a, a little bit of a non-traditional route which is why i'm going to be interested to see the uh, the whole feature as well because it's, uh, it's it's pretty and and by the way he and Taylor Hall shared something in common in terms of how they approach the injury so that's something to watch for as well but star like you need stars in every sport yeah you know the CFL are quarterbacks those are the stars in the league and uh, in the NHL obviously you know it's it's the top guy and for a long time it was Crosby and Ovechkin and clearly now you know it's McDavid and maybe it's McKinnon. So uh, let's have some fun with it. No question. It's going to be a fun final 33 games. Uh, it is so tight. The Oilers are in a good position, but that, you know, the line is so thin. But uh, they're winning games, and uh, they got some tiebreakers on some teams, and they got momentum, and they have confidence, which you hope after a break like this is easy to recreate once they get back together uh, a week from now and get ready for uh, the, the final 33 games. But it's been, uh, compared to where they were last year, uh, we'll take this uh, 10 times out of 10. Dave, they're three points behind the pace they're, they're, they're at in 2016-17. Um, you know, at 49 games that year, their record was... 
off the top of my head, I think it was 26, 15, and 8. And right now they're 26, 18, and 5. And they 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 started that year seven and one. They started this year seven and one, and they killed it down the stretch, going twelve and two that year. And nine of those wins are at home. And the Oilers nine of their final thirteen games are at home this year. So they got a chance to make some noise. Uh, they don't have Cam Talbot, but they've got a one-two punch that's stronger than what they had that year. Uh, they you know in terms of the the defense, I think it's comparable to what they had that season. Uh, you know, I mean, you still have Larson, you still have Nurse, you still have Clefbaum. Um, frankly, you still have Benning, so it's four of the six, and Russell. So you got five of the six team defensemen, and I'd argue the second line's better. Like the line of Dreisaitl with Nugent Hopkins and Yamamoto is better than the line of Nugent Hopkins, Lucic, and Everly in the second half of that year. So they got a chance. It should be a, a, a heck of a ride. As always, thanks for your time, Bob. Appreciate it. You bet. Anytime. Take care, Dave. Bye-bye. There we go. My mic button was sticking. Why would I hit my mic button anyway? Don't do that yet, Dave. Bob Stoffer, Oilers Now host. Noon to 2, weekdays here on 630 Chat, also analyst on the Oilers Radio Network. This portion of the show brought to you by the Furnace Family. Experience the Furnace Family difference. Your furnace replacement specialist with over 500 five-star Google reviews. Call 7804-FAMILY or visit FurnaceFamily.com. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. That's to call and to text. When we were talking about the uh, wrestlers with uh, Bob Stoffer, this text came in. Who are those guys? Fair enough. What? Fair enough. I, I don't know if he's meaning Hulk Hogan and the Ultimate Warrior, but maybe the other names I mentioned. Oh, the newer guys. Yeah, yeah that could. That be. makes sense. Uh, this text comes in. Smith certainly will have to help us win games down the stretch, but you have to agree he certainly is nerve-wracking at times. That's from the big L. And Price looked like he was done. That's what NHL goalies go through. Yeah, Price having a bit of a tough season. The Oilers are going to need two goaltenders, and they have two goaltenders, and they will use two goaltenders to, uh, make the, to try and make the playoffs. And after that, we'll see what happens. News is next, and we have two big men outside the studio. One of them... His name is David Beard. The other is Ryan King from your Edmonton Eskimos. We'll have a fun hour next hour talking about a number of subjects here on 630 Chet Inside Sports. It's Campbell in for Wilkins on a much more comfortable Monday evening. Six thirty, Chad. Inside sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.